Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Everybody, please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games. No, that's not it. Fuck. <laughs> hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. That's the introduction I meant to do. But uh, my brain's already on vacation. What can you do? It's Festivus. I already had a green eggs breakfast. Uh, like... I'm just, uh, I'm already gone. So we're going to see how this show goes. Uh, of course, <laughs> it's the it's the morning of our Festivus party, but we're doing a show for you anyway. We normally take this week off, but here we are, because who the fuck has anything to do anyway? Let's get right to the introductions and then see what the hell the show's going to be about. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. I feel like I need to confess that sitting in front of me on this counter are six Reese's Cups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because what happened was, I bought myself a pack of Reese's trees as a treat for Christmas, and then I went to the store and they had Reese's cups that have pretzels in them. Ooh! Oh, yeah. And they were buy two get two free, so I had to get four. Obviously. And now I have six giant Reese's cups, and it's they're staring at me and like beating like a telltale heart, and it's getting very difficult to resist eating them. You never so, have to explain yourself. I felt like I had to say it out loud. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's It's beautiful. Reese's, not Reese's. 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 Reese's cups. Reese's. <laughs> Don't buy the Reese's propaganda. It's bullshit. It's, it's Reese's. true. You know what? You, my one hoagie. you can call it whatever you want. It doesn't make it any less awesome. It's yeah. true. That's true. It's my if one Reese- hoagie mouth. If chocolate, if Mr. Chocolate Reese was a hockey player, he'd go by Reese. It's clearly his nickname. It's true. It's not true. Every every <laughs> Reese I it. ever every Reese I've ever met that played hockey, fucking went by Reese. Like that's just the way it is. So a chocolate maker is a hockey player. All his be. friends definitely called him Reese. That'd be pretty awesome, actually. One hundred percent, his friends called him Reese. I have a dozen macaroons sitting right next to me. Oh, and by God, that, yes. I mean there are now eight because I've eaten four. 
you know, you know what? You know what? Uh, Reese's should do as their next promotion, combining it in hockey. Mm. They should sell hockey pucks that are actually Reese cups. Oh God, yes. Have you ever had? Of course you haven't, but I have <laughs> one of the half one of the half pound ones. The half pound ones yes. kind of are hockey pucks. Of course I have. <laughs> I have never had the half pound Reese cup, but they say four servings, but I don't think that's true. <laughs> Who are you to tell me what a serving size is? Yeah, mind you your don't run business. my life. You don't know exactly. me. All right, uh, from theathletic.com, Charlie <laughs> O'Connor. So one thing I'm running into, we were actually talking about this before the show, uh, one thing I'm running into about the way that this season is going to start in that training camp for the Flyers is going to start on January 3rd, the season is going to start on January 13th, um, and then some of the teams are even going to be starting their training camp before the New Year's, uh, the teams that didn't make the playoffs in the summer. Um, it's that I can't really get a handle on like how excited people are because – no one's actually reading articles right now because it's Christmas, which is weird. Like, I kind of think that what's going to happen is, like, January 2nd is going to roll around, and then everybody's going to be like, I need to read all the content. But right now, everyone is very clearly distracted by the Christmas season, which means that it's like, do we spend a lot of time talking about this season, or do we just wait until Christmas is done and then just flood you all with content? I'm not sure. That's I mean, a- that's what you've got to do, because after Christmas, after New Year's, it's just a wasteland. Nobody cares about anything until it gets warm again. So, you know, we're here for hockey. That's, uh, like, I haven't, I haven't done nearly enough, like, preparation for the season yet. And it's because, like, I'm still not convinced it's going to start when they say it's going to start. Even though it, like, is. Like, I know. But I'm still like, eh, I don't necessarily believe it. Uh, but and that mixed with the holiday, mixed with everything being terrible anyway, it's like, yeah, I'll see you in 2021. I'll just get started. The new year, new me. You know, new year, new <laughs> hockey season. Last but certainly not least, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. So my favorite thing about the NHL announcement that they are returning. Uh, starting with training camps January 3rd, season starts January 13th, is we don't have to deal with the fucking Disney on Ice road trip this year. Oh, I forgot about that. Now there's a good spin. Listen, we don't have to deal with it. This is is what I thought of when I was taking Bear to school this morning. This is why we decided to have a show, guys. So we don't have to deal with the Disney on Ice road trip this year, which means we don't have to deal with the five-game road trip slump that they fall into every single season. We just don't have to deal with it. We don't have to deal with any Flyers after dark. None of Well, yeah, hopefully that, not. That Ugh. is true. I mean, I guess... Hopefully. In, yeah. Well, yeah. It works really well for me because I'm an old person. <laughs> I guess I don't I, have to feel bad about missing a Flyer Sharks game at 10:30 at night. Yeah, I, I guess you're not. There's no way they'll have to deal with it because even if the Flyers mm-hmm. like make the Final Four and end up in the playoffs and end up having to play like a West Coast team or a team that would be in a weird time zone, like that's going to be the final two rounds of the playoffs. They definitely wouldn't put a game on at 10 p.m. They yep. well, they put it on at like. I wouldn't say definitely. <laughs> well, they they wouldn't. They never do. Like they they always. <laughs> I know. They always set it up where I it's know. like 9 p.m. or like 8:45 or something, so they can maximize all the time zones. Um. So yeah, I guess no flyers after dark this year. I always, in theory, love when the flyers are on my schedule and like mm-hmm. their games start at 9:30, 10. 
But then, like, they go 1-5-1 and one on a road trip, <laughs> and I did not enjoy myself nearly as much as I thought I was going to because I'm fucking furious for two straight weeks. Like, so I guess, yes, this is, this is a, uh, this is, that is, that is a great reason to have this show today, Steph. Like, the worst part of the season last year, from the road trip with the Oscar Lindblom news, like, you know, mid-December, all the way through the first week of January, that was the most miserable part of last season, and boom, we just don't have to fucking deal with it this year, so, Mm -hmm. awesome, way to go, all right. So let's get this You're thing. You're so welcome. <laughs> let's let's get this thing started. Uh, I want to. Obviously, this is our Festivus episode. Uh, I we were doing this way before everyone else. I mean, it's not it, it, it's not like it's original to do the Festivus thing. But we were having Festivus parties like you know, five years ago or something. Uh, so we were first among the among the podcast community, far as I'm concerned. We're doing the Zoom thing tonight. You're probably listening to this tomorrow, so if you missed it, sorry. We told you about it already. Uh, airing of Grievances, though. I, I just watched the uh, the Strike episode of Seinfeld. Kelly, I had no idea that that episode was in the final season, the Festivus episode. Was it? Yeah, it was in season nine. Really? Yeah, and like it's become such a, like, like how many things in their last year are huge? No, I would have guessed that that was like super early Seinfeld. If I just I like, I was like yeah. guessing middle, like season yeah, five, yeah. six. Oh wow! Yeah, I did I, not know that. I guess though. Yeah, anyways, like, what was what was the the time frame of like Seinfeld, the show becoming the biggest show in the world? Like, was it was it huge right off the bat, or did it take? Because like, I imagine that final season was like the height of like how, oh yeah, how ubiquitous it was in the culture. So obviously, like. An episode like that is going to explode because everyone is watching Seinfeld at the time. Whereas maybe if it was in like season two or three, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal because not everyone is watching the show. No, I think Seinfeld was pretty huge from the jump. It was at the time that people were actually watching network sitcoms. Fair. So it was like a thing. Yeah. But to like Charlie's point, I think it did like grow every year because it's like the most popular fucking thing of all time. So like by that final season. But to me, like Festivus is like. You know, like like if Jesse said science, bitch, in the last season. Like, no, that yeah. was right away. You know? <laughs> I did just rewatch Breaking Bad. I got that reference. Ah, nice. There we go. Right. Uh, that's just what I was thinking as I was watching it this morning, eating my uh my uh fried chicken eggs benedict. It was just absolutely oh, incredible. God. Chicken and waffle benedict, just so Oof. good. Uh so anyway. We've got some we've got some problems with you people. That's uh, true. We've got some grievances to air. I think Kelly wanted to lead this off because she's well. She didn't even have this written down. I moved it up into the airing of grievances. Uh, so what are your what are your problems with everyone, Kelly? We'll start with you. I mean, it, it's just really shitty to fire Chris Terrian three days before Christmas. Just like real, real shitty. Like they did all of those firings. Like, what feels like months ago. I don't really know exactly how long ago it was. But, like, you fired Bundy three days before Christmas and, like, three weeks before hockey comes back. Why? What are you doing? It's just not nice. And I didn't like it. I guess it's I don't even like, like Chris Terrian that much. There's no good time to tell someone, like, you don't have a contract. You know? I guess. But, like, the timing of everything. Like, they told the Phillies broadcast team... Like, Murph, during the season, you're not going to be back here next year. Go ahead and do a good show today. 
Like so, oh boy. It, it's, Did, didn't didn't Murph have like? Wasn't he quarantining for COVID when he found out that he was getting let go? Oh God! I feel like that was a thing. Like he was he was in quarantine, was not on broadcast at the time because he was quarantining for COVID. And was then, that what it was? And then it gets reported that he's out of a job at the end of the season. But like as we fucking sucks. I don't know if we've talked about it like off the air or on the air, if we've just talked about it off, but like all these guys like are kind of on year to year deals and they just expect their deals to be renewed because hey, season's coming. And yeah, it is shitty to dump on them before Christmas, but it is kind of just part of the timing of the season. Like we were just saying, you know, the NHL's really screwing us here. We're at the fucking holidays and we have to actually work because like hockey's coming back in two weeks. It just seems like really short-sighted because I, I'm wondering, like, what do you fill a broadcast with when there's no, like, crowd shots to take because there's no crowd? You don't have Taryn anymore to give us, like, random facts in between plays. You fired Chris Taryn, so I guess that means intermission is Colby Cohen and what's-her-face? Like, that's... Oh. That's... I mean, I like her, and I don't know why I can't remember her name. Have a Kate, second. Katie Emmer. No. Katie Emmer. Yeah, I Katie. like her. Um, well, Colby pro- Cohen They'll, they'll probably sucks. use... um. What uh, Al Morganti, I would assume. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he'll okay. he'll stick yeah. around, I would guess. He's not bad. But yeah, it's Al's just good. like I, I don't know. I don't know. I just it seems very short sighted to fire all of your sports people because there are no sports when they're all coming back. When they're all coming back, and like yeah. you gonna tell me Comcast doesn't have the fucking money? Oh, I know. It's it's probably real tough for them right now <laughs> with everyone <laughs> sitting at home watching TV all day. Like, <laughs> like I'm sure they're really hurting. I couldn't figure out why the title of today's flyby was Fuck You Comcast, but I get it now. It was Comcast Sucks, actually, because I'm a lady. Uh. Oh, well, I'm sorry. In my head, it was Fuck You Comcast. In my well, head, it was Fuck You Comcast. Let's, let's, let's be real here. Intermission is probably just going to be leaf blower fucking paid programming. Like, they're not even going to have an That's intermission true. report. Like, it's the programming of these networks is already such fucking trash that I expect trash from everything they do. And that's not to disparage any of the play-by-play people or anyone who works there. Like, they, everyone working there works as hard as they can and does as good of a job as they can. Uh, we all have our, you know, opinions about who's good and who isn't, whatever. But, like, I'm not disparaging those people. But the company itself fucking sucks. Sucks. Yeah, it's bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna miss um like I thought Tarion did a really good job and he and he was the thing that annoys well the thing that annoys me is I think he was getting even better at it I thought he did a good job breaking down plays one hundred percent yes I I thought he did a really really good job and and I don't think there are that many analysts on television hockey analysts even former players that are good at it it's pro- it's just it's really mm-hmm. hard and I think he was good at it and I think he was getting better every year. And it sucks because, like, I, I really like Al Morganti. He knows hockey. I think he's 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 willing to be critical. I like watching him on television, but like, he's not a former player. Like, he can't speak about like what a player was thinking in the way that Chris Terrian can. And now that's just gone. Like, it's just gone, and it sucks. Terrian started like really breaking down some video at like yeah. different segments and intermission, and it was like really good. Yeah, it was. Like just and like not just okay. Here's what happened on this goal. Like he'd show you a couple different plays and like really break down the defenseman. Like good sports broadcast stuff that you actually want. Uh, so his contract wasn't renewed with NBC Philly. Do you think maybe the national arm just scoops him up? Probably. Not. I'd really like that. That would be great. I just. Hire him and fire Milbeck. I mean, I mean that, would that would be, be nice. Right. I don't think they will. 
I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Like, though, like they, it's don't a they, they... Festivus miracle. <laughs> I, I, that'd be cool. I mean, I'd love to see Terry and get a get a gig nationally. It's just that it seems like the guys they pick, like the former players, are guys that are like more well known nationally. You know what I mean? Like, like Jonesy. Yeah, he was like a Philadelphia legend, but like you knew Keith Jones. Like Keith Jones was that pest to like everybody in the league. No, he he's was. a hockey celebrity. Yeah. Whereas like Terryan is well known in Philly. I don't know how well known he is outside of Philly. Uh. There's Boosh, though. Like, Boosh was like a, you know, mediocre yeah, goaltender. I guess that's fair. So many Philly guys making it national. True. It's nice. Uh, there's like four cities that actually cover hockey, and we're not even <laughs> one of them anymore. But like, <laughs> when, when, they play, when they played, like, there was a lot of media. They actually knew how to fucking deal with it. So, like, they actually know what they're doing. Like, so it, it sucks. I hope he finds something. It would be cool if, uh, if uh, the National Arms scooped him up or something, or if ESPN or one of the other networks wanted to expand some hockey co- coverage, LOL. Um, <laughs> like, I, 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 I liked Bundy. I thought he was good. I liked him as a player. Uh, I modeled parts of my game after Chris Tarion. Uh, so uh, I, 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 hope he, uh, I hope he finds something else. Me too. All right, who else has some grievances? Got a lot of problems with you. I'm people. sure I do. Steph, you, you always have grievances. With the silence. Steph's got <laughs> yeah. grievances. I know off she the air, does. Off the air, we were doing the whole grievance segment. Go ahead and complain That's about it. Okay, okay, you want, you want um, my grievance? If, if I, yes, okay. sure too. My grievance is I am infuriated that I'm going to have to watch the New York Islanders play the Flyers at least eight oh, times. Oh, God, eight times. Infuriated. Eight. Eight fucking times. Eight times. I just, yeah. I, just... I was so mad about that, I got real drunk on Sunday and wrote a whole article about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, fucking, I wrote I... a whole article just stemming from how mad I was that we were going to have to play the Islanders eight times. Not only the Islanders, but also the Devils eight times. And the Bruins eight times. Like, oh, God, the Rangers eight times. Like, can we just not fucking do this? So, so the reason... Like, a lot... The reason why I don't, yeah, like, the the Devils, I will say this. Number one, they are more fun stylistically now than they used to be. And number two, the Flyers always beat them. So it's fun to watch That's wins. True. The Islanders are boring they as don't. shit. They and don't. And the Flyers they can't beat them. They don't always beat them. They usually beat them. They don't always beat the Devils. We're just asleep by the time that the game ends. They don't always <laughs> beat them. So maybe... So... My big complaint after the playoffs last year, this year, whatever year it was, they um was that I think Vino got super duper outcoached by Trotz in that series and failed to adjust a lot to how the Islanders were playing. And maybe playing them eight times during the regular season will fix that problem. Like maybe it'll just be like practice for beating them in the playoffs? I don't know. Or they just never figure it out, and they lose seven times. (laughs) That's my concern. I don't like that one. No, I don't like that one, Charlie. We're not going to do that one. So maybe maybe they'll just uh, figure out how to beat the Islanders over the course of eight games. I may not watch those eight games. I don't know if I I can handle it. I I hate the Islanders so much. Like, probably more than their own fans do right now. I was going to say... Which is saying a lot, because they really hate them, too. I was going to say, like... Do I hate the Islanders more than the Devils now? I think I do. Just yeah. right now. Yeah. Just right now. For sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, historically, no. I don't care about the Islanders. But, like, at the current moment, 
Like, yes, I still hate the Devils because they shouldn't exist. But, like, fuck you, Islanders. Like, yeah. fuck you and your shit hockey and your uh, just ability to beat the Flyers every single time they play. Like, I just, god damn it. God right fucking now, damn I hate it. The Islanders, right now I hate the Islanders more than I hate the Rangers, which is saying a lot. I like the, I love, like, uh, we'll get into the schedule and everything in a little bit. Like, I love... Lots of matchups. I like playing the same teams over and over because, like I said last week, I think it leads to more fights, and I like fights. I think it leads to more dirty shit, and I like dirty shit. Uh, but, God, it's just going to be fucking boring. Like, that's eight games that are going to suck right yeah. off the bat. I can yeah. point, I can look at the schedule whenever it comes out, circle them, and go, these will suck. So, Craig, Steve, get ready be, to be doing some post games. <laughs> No, one thing I will say that, like, it could be, it could help the Flyers having to play the Islanders multiple times. Because I don't necessarily think it's the, like, I don't necessarily think it's the Islanders. I'm trying to think of the right way to explain this. Like, the reason why the Flyers struggle against the Islanders, I think, or at least why they did this past year, it's not because, like, the Islanders have this, like, foolproof system that just inherently beats the Flyers. I think it's because the Islanders are an unbelievably well-structured team. And the Flyers last year showed, especially in that playoff series, that right now, at this point, they do not have the patience to break down an extremely well-structured team. Like, the teams they kick the shit out of are the teams that aren't structured. Like, they they, they embarrass the Rangers. The Rangers are basically playing fucking pond hockey. Like, David Quinn is not a very yeah, good— Yeah, it's Artemi Panarin, yeah. and let's try to spring a breakaway. Yeah, like, David Quinn is not a very good coach. And, like, the Flyers kick their asses. Well, to beat the Islanders, you have to be patient. And I really—going into that series, I really thought the Flyers were ready to play the kind of patient, like— wait them out sort of game that you have to play against the Islanders. And they showed in that series they are not ready to do that. Well, they're going to have to learn because if they want to win a cup, there's going to be other teams that play as structured as the Islanders do, except with a lot more talent. So, like, yeah, hopefully playing eight games against the Islanders will teach the Flyers, will force them to learn how to do that, and maybe they will be a better team in the long term because of that. That's my hope. Now, they might just suck against them and just make us want to pound our heads against the wall for eight games. That's very possible. But hopefully, there's like a long-term benefit there. Could it be like, could that playoff series and their struggles against them all last year, like while frustrating at the time, ultimately lead to them realizing they have to be patient and like... Also, they're a pretty young team. Could that just yeah. be the immaturity of Could your be. number one defenseman being 23, your number two and three defenseman being fucking 24, 23? Like, could like, all those things combined plus realizing, like, oh, we can't beat them if we play this way? Like, maybe it'll pay off long term, and this year, Flyers just come out and beat the shit out of them. Yeah, I think, I think that series was more the Flyers beating the Flyers than the Islanders beating the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Or at least it was 50-50. Like, they just didn't score goals. They just didn't, they just didn't do it. So that's, you can't win hockey games that way. They'll remember this year that they've got to score some goals. They seem yeah, to and- change their entire approach to hockey during that series and then never adjusted when things weren't going well. And it was just, like, futile the entire time. I think they won a bunch of games because they are better than the Islanders on paper. Like, that's the only reason they got to seven. But, like, it was, it was bad. Was that the most one-sided seven-game series ever? 
It was like, it was not good. <laughs> how, the no. fuck, how the fuck did it go seven? What was there that one game that was good? Like five game five or something was good. I forget which one it was. I I, I will say that that series the um the Vegas Vancouver series was an extremely one oh, yeah. seven game series. Yeah, like the only reason why the Canucks took that to seven was because Demko like showed up and was just a fucking hero. Like I think was mm-hmm. were they getting outshot like forty to ten in Game Seven until they finally it was it absurd. something like that. It was, yeah. absurd. Like, it was, it was so yeah. clear that Vegas was like miles better than Vancouver. It was like one of these. Okay, they're just gonna break out eventually and beat them ten nothing, and you just kept waiting for it. <laughs> it was like what they f- Vancouver fucking won. Like, <laughs> yeah. We just kept and it kept not happening. Uh, so all right, who has a? Is it Steph? You have a grievance now. What's yeah, so we were talking about the Devils, unfortunately. So I Ugh. just need to bring up the thing that, that is just going on on Twitter today. And that is... I missed it. I wasn't on the Twitter this morning. Good for you. Good for you. That's this comparing Mackenzie Blackwood to Carter Hart. Mac Black! In which I have to say, who? <laughs> to Carter Hart? Like, to, to, to one of the best goalies to ever be, you know, 23 and a starter? Two, maybe. You know? Yeah. And then who? Mackenzie Blackwood that plays for who? Like, just come on, guys. It's been, it's been a season. Like, yeah, you can have one strong season. And we've proven, well, kind of, but I don't, I'm not taking away from Carter Hart, but like, it's Mackenzie Blackwood, guys. This is not, he does not have the pedigree that, our favorite boy does. The thing that's annoying is it's like, it is, it's one season of goalie stats that we're looking at here. Technically, Blackwood is ahead in some of them, and technically, Cart is ahead in Hart. Cart? What the hell, Kelly? Cart. Essentially, Cart Hart. Cart Hart is, <laughs> is ahead in some of them. But like, stats don't tell the whole story of anything. That's why you got to put your eyeball test and the stats together to form a good opinion. And there's simply just like, there's no way that we're going to come together in five years and live in a reality where Mackenzie Blackwood is better than Carter Hart. It's like simply not going to happen. And I would like bet every dollar that I have that in five years, Carter Hart's going to be a better goaltender than Mackenzie Blackwood. And is there a stat that I can throw at you that backs that up? No, because it's future talk. But like, I am so confident in it that I, I just like, it is. These are facts in my mind. Yeah, I... I mean, the, the, the things I cited today were, number one, like, if you look at quality-adjusted metrics, Carter Hart has been significantly better than Mackenzie Blackwood. So, like, that, that's flat out. And, like, granted, the thing with quality-adjusted public metrics is that they're obviously not perfect. Like, we don't have the access to the same, um, you know, pre-shot movement type stats that, you know, some of the consulting services have, some of the teams have. So, they're not perfect. But... It's fair to say that, like, you can't just look at both the goalie save percentages and be like, well, Mackenzie Blackwood's, like, .001 higher, so he's better than Carter Hart so far. So that's point number one. Point number two is that Hart's younger. So, presumably, mm-hmm. Hart's going to get better than he is now, whereas Blackwood might get better, but it's more impressive to have a 915 save percentage when you're 21 versus to have a 915 save percentage when you're 24. That's just true. Also... And this, to me, is, like, the most convincing aspect of it because it just bakes into, like, the common sense thing. And this is something that our, our good pal Kurt put in the Slack chat earlier today, which is 
The Flyers have Carter Hart, and they went out and they re-signed a 35-year-old backup to be his tandem mate. Very strongly implying that they believe, the people who see Carter Hart the most, believe that Carter Hart is a stone-cold, no doubt about it, number one goalie. The New Jersey Devils watched Mackenzie Blackwood and went out and gave $4 million to Corey Crawford, who presumably is going to be the starter there. If they really believe that Mackenzie Blackwood was that good, they wouldn't have spent that money on Corey Crawford. They would have let Mackenzie Blackwood, at age 24, be their no-questions-asked starter. The fact that they haven't, the people who have watched Mackenzie Blackwood the most, leads me to believe that they themselves have their doubts that Mackenzie Blackwood is actually that good. A rare good point from Kurt. <laughs> who could have seen it? Yeah, coming? like, it's, <laughs> yeah, like Crawford, if not the starter, it's at least a tandem. Yes. You know, like, it's, <laughs> that's, that's a great point, actually. I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, I like Mackenzie Blackwood, got nothing against him. But, like, yeah, Carter Hart isn't 23 until, like, August, September. Like, next season. He'll be 23 at the start of next season. He's got a whole year of playing hockey before he's even 23. Like, I just think the age and how we talk all the time, like last week, how uh, Carter Hart finds himself in the top 10 of that list. And it's like, yes, it's projection and goalies are tough, but... The scarcity of comparables kind of tells you how special he is. If you can't come up with a whole bunch of recent comparables, it must mean it's something kind of special going on with the guy. But, you know, I don't need to get into a freaking contest with Devils fans because, like, we'll run out of him in 26 minutes. Like, what the fuck? Who are you arguing with? The two fucking Devils fans? Like, it wasn't Wish, so there's one left. Like, I, I, who gives a shit about Devils fans and their thoughts? Like, go fuck yourself. That is the correct opinion. All right. I have, I just really, I have one serious grievance. And it's, uh, man, it's a, it's a, ser- it's a serious issue because... I'm not talking reform. I'm talking abolishment. And the NHL just refuses to listen. Fuck offside! Like, let's be done with it! You know what I love about this rewrite of the rule? Maybe other people have, uh, have found articles that actually explain it. But every article I've seen has just been a copy-paste of the rule rewrite with no explanation. So let me run this by you and see if this is what it's talking about. The distinction of plane, like you're onside if your skate is within the plane, does that mean if your skate is off the ice but still on the correct side of the blue line, you're onside? Like, is that I what the, so. is that the change? Yeah, yes, it's, that is the change. we're no we're no more looking for a, a skate to be centimeters above the ice to overturn a call. Like that's the part that they got rid of. It's okay. still stupid, and I'm assuming that the offside review is still going to suck, but it's. like ever so slightly better all right at least at least they did fix something stupid about it because i had like a bunch of my friends who were like in hockey text me and go what the fuck is the difference here and i had to read it like three times and then i went oh plane so like a space not just contact with the ice okay i think i get it but every article i read did not explain it actually it's not super clear because no, it's not. It's not super clear anywhere because it's just not super clear. It's like not it's not a good thing to be reviewable. Like that's the start and finish of it. Like if you don't trust your linesman 
to make good onside offside calls. Maybe make them better at their jobs, but maybe it's those, a dumb rule altogether. It is a dumb rule altogether. Like hit me with all of the cherry picking. I'm into You're it. You're allowed be to fun. be ahead of the puck everywhere on the ice except in this one fucking foot area. It's stupid yeah. as shit. Yeah, it it's not good. This isn't rugby. I mean, offside in in soccer is like less annoying than offside in hockey in my opinion. I just, see, I I see I hate offside in soccer. It's dumb too, but it's no, I, I, I mean, like, I, I understand why it's there. I, I get why it's there. But, um, but like, I, it's infuriating to me the idea of, like, a floating offside thing where no one can be mm. ahead of the puck. Like, I, I do prefer the hockey aspect of it where it's, like, once you gain the offensive zone, then you can be ahead of the puck. You're allowed to. In soccer, you're just not allowed. Like, the, the ball, you, if anybody is ahead of the ball, the play is blown dead. And, like, I don't dislike yeah. soccer, but I don't particularly like that offside rule, even though I understand why it's there. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that, like, I think removing offsides is an interesting idea, but... I don't think it would actually I don't think it would actually serve to increase offense as much people as much as people think because I think within six months all the coaches would find a way to suck the fun out of it anyway. Oh of course. Yeah, I don't think this is gonna lead to like Yager coming back to the league and just standing in the offensive fucking zone the whole game. Because yeah. no coach is gonna play man down, which is why everyone was like, Oh, the cherry picking will ruin hockey. I'm like, no, it won't. What fucking coach is gonna coach man down? You're out of your mind. Like, that's not going to happen. So, uh, yeah. so, like, it's literally just because the stoppages are stupid and it takes away goals that should count. I just, like, it's the easiest, simplest rule to make the game less annoying. I don't think it's going to open it up that much. I just think it'll make it less annoying. Shouldn't, yeah, I just, shouldn't I just the sport think... try to be as unannoying as possible? Yeah, all it's going to do, I don't think it's going to improve the game scoring-wise. I don't think it'll have an effect at all there. But it'll just, the flow will be better. There will be less stupid stops for no reason. And then also, none of these stupid reviews. And I mean, players going offside so rarely has an actual effect on a goal being scored that it's just like, why? It's so stupid. And the ones that are reviewed never have an effect on the goal being scored. It's always somebody that went offside like a full 35 seconds before the play that scores the goal was set up. And somehow we're reviewing this because some guy's toe was like three <laughs> centimeters ahead of where it should have been. Like, it's so stupid. I hate it. Yeah, I just think it's, it's bad. A- Everything is bad. All of the rules are bad. They should just do no a free-for-all. I like that better. <laughs> this is very on no Step rules, Driver. No That's positions. My, uh, my, I always say in football, like, you know what would make football better? If you just legalized offensive holding. Like, boom. All of a sudden... The game is more fun. You don't uh, an awesome play happens. Huh? You're not looking for a flag because a nonsense holding call isn't going to happen. I, I look at this the same way. Offside, what does it do? Ruin things. Don't let it do that anymore. It's like remember when Vuvuzelas were a thing, and oh, everyone God. was like, and everyone was like, this is fucking annoying, so they banned them. Like that's how I yeah. feel about offside. It just makes my experience worse. So get Excellent rid of it. Comparison. How about the puck over the glass rule? Oh, yeah. No, I love puck over the glass, but they should just make the glass really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Ten foot high glass. No, like, it's the, the, the height it is behind, the, the height it is 
behind the net is the height it should be all around. Boom. Problem solved. Well, fair point, actually. I kind of I kind of love the idea of like the glass being high enough where you could like alley oop a puck to the top of the glass and then have it <laughs> and then have it like bounce down right in front of the net. That kind of would be amazing. That that would be all. Imagine like imagine like Giroux like in one of those GoPro videos like doing different things with the boards and the glass, just like fucking around, coming up with new plays. Like the uh, the like, the pass off the end boards. Now he's doing it off like the top of the glass. <laughs> Personally, I would love bubble hockey, but I feel like the humidity would melt the ice. It probably would. Yeah, that it would, would get a little warm. I mean, it's it's an intriguing it idea, up. but yeah, yeah. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's possible. But honestly, maybe just a giant fan at the top to pull the <laughs> the hot air out. All right. I mean, there are brilliant engineers out there. Make it happen. Yeah, I mean, they played an outdoor game in Vegas in like '92. We can make this happen. Jesus. We can we can make it work. It'll be fine. All right, one more grievance that we all knew was coming. Uh-oh. We all knew it was coming. I'm just really, really, really fucking sick of all of the people saying that Nolan Patrick is never going to play hockey again. And and Charlie dug into this a few yes. days ago on Twitter. He also called me out directly for, di- for willing to die <laughs> for Nolan Patrick. But was too much of a coward to at me. It's fine. It's, it's fine. Steph, trust me, it's not just you. I know it's not. I know it's not. Um, but, like, can we just not? Can we stop saying that he's never going to play hockey again? He's well, going to play hockey again. I mean, he's, well, it, it was just like... He's for, going to... He's going to play hockey, like, on a pond in Winnipeg. I don't know about the NH. I'm not saying he's not going to, but I'm also not like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to play in the NH. Like, until he <laughs> plays in the NHL, am I supposed to believe he's going to play in the N- I. Like, in my mind, it is equally silly to guarantee that he's going to be an NHL player that plays well, and it's equally silly to guarantee that he's not going to ever play again. Both of those things are right. equally silly. I think it's fair to say you don't know what's going to happen with Nolan. Patrick. See, I don't think it's fair to say that, or or to to say that it's equal that he's going to be a good player in the NHL because he already has been. I know, he but I don't know was. if he will be again. I don't think I don't think that it's fair to say that just due to migraines. It's not like he had his leg amputated, which would only be a problem if you needed both legs to skate, which you do in the NHL. <laughs> not for sled hockey, but you do in the NHL. Arguably. Um like that's not what happened. That's not what happened. He didn't he didn't lose he didn't have a lobotomy. He had he has a migraine disorder, which does not affect his hockey IQ, and it does not affect his hands. Okay. No, it doesn't. I want to, uh, you know, fuck it. We'll take the break after this because this was like our <laughs> our like first topic I wanted to get into. We got the we got <laughs> oh, the. Uh, oh, you're saying we're chatty today? Yeah, like I just looked, and we're like 37 minutes in, and like we're basically still in intros. Uh, <laughs> like. But fuck it, we'll just get into this because we got the we heard from the co- well we I saw tweets from reporters who were talking to the coach and here's my thing like I'm neither pessimistic nor optimistic about Nolan Patrick I will see and after I see him I will make my judgments about him but for like for like the purposes of discussion uh, when the coach the head coach of the team his update is like 
Yeah, we'll see. I'm hearing good things. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm not hearing I'm not hearing the coach, so I have to give my own interpretation to the written quotes on Twitter. Like I I mean he's been on vacation for three months. It's not it's not fucking he didn't yeah, but when he asked the training staff, well like, hey, I'm gonna get asked about this. What's what do I say? They didn't give him a thumbs up emoji. Patrick's good to go, three C pencil it in. It's well, like, because yeah, they don't we'll know. Like, I, exactly, I, I, and since I, I, they don't know, I can't know. Well, yeah, no, but, but, they don't know because training camp hasn't exactly. started. Like, they haven't done anything exactly. yet. There's been, there's been nothing to evaluate. Literally, there's been nothing to evaluate. You need to get everybody on the ice together. They ha- he has to have a physical. He hasn't even yes. been here. Like, th- that, that's the thing. Like, it, it seems like... Everyone seems to have, not everyone, but like a lot of people seem to have this opinion that like every day that goes by that there isn't a Nolan Patrick is fine, he's playing, just makes it exponentially more likely that he's never going to play. And that's not the way it works because the Flyers doctors have not been able to see him in person and evaluate him because we're in the middle of a pandemic and he's been in Manitoba. Like the and like they're not around either. Like the next time that we're going to get a concrete update, a concrete like this is what's going to happen one way or the other is when he has his physical, which isn't going to happen until January third. There's like it. It's not worse in any way that we don't have certainty on December tenth than if we didn't have certainty on July fifth. It's the exact same amount of likelihood because nothing really could have happened in between there aside from Nolan Patrick just telling the Flyers, yeah, I'm feeling better. Yeah, I'm feeling better than I did last month. And, like, that's what they've been hearing. It's just you can't, you can't come to any concrete determinations on what's going to happen next until there's, like, that next checkpoint. And the next checkpoint is him getting his physical in Philadelphia and then deciding whether he can be clear for contact and practice with his teammates on a daily basis at camp. But that's what, like, I'm saying there is no concrete determination. So anyone who already kind of felt pessimistic about it, there's nothing to make them feel better because the answer is still, and maybe we will get a different answer on January 3rd or 4th or 5th or whenever we get to actually, the media actually gets to talk to Nolan Patrick, actually gets to talk to somebody involved in the situation. Maybe we get an answer then. But until then, there's been nothing either way. And since the last thing we heard is, we're shutting him down for the season. We're not going to be able to get him ready for the uh, for the bubble. We're not going to be able to get him ready for the playoffs. It continues to be a concern. I just think that that's a ridiculous way of looking at things. Like it's the only way to look at things. It's not because you're just just because you're not getting the information that you've decided you need. You've decided it means it's the worst case scenario when literally we just don't. I did not say worst-case scenario. I said there's nothing to go on. Like, I think, I think that's okay. it. I think the, the preponderance of circumstantial evidence says to me that it's more likely Nolan Patrick comes back than he doesn't play again. Because, Excellent. Because if, if the Flyers thought that there was a very good chance that Nolan Patrick was just finished and that this was like, well, we're hoping, but like, eh, you know, probably he's done— they would have gotten a third-line center this summer. Like, they just would have. 
Like, it, it, the circumstantial evidence tells me that the Flyers believe he's going to be back. Now, do they believe he's going to be back for game one? I don't know. Maybe they're not going to rush him, especially with a, you know, with a, a short training camp and the fact that he hasn't played a, a meaningful hockey game since March of 2019. That's possible. But the preponderance of circumstantial evidence leads me to believe the Flyers think he's going to come back. Everything they've said publicly tells me they think he's going to come back. Everything that Nolan Patrick has said tells me he thinks he's going to come back. The fact that he's been scrimmaging, the fact that he's already in Philly skating regularly. Like, this, this is presenting the image of a player who believes he's going to return. The fact that everything I've heard privately is that the Flyers not only believe he's going to be back, but are going through their expansion draft planning, assuming that they're going to protect him in the expansion draft. Like, these are not the things you hear about a guy who everyone involved secretly believes that he's never going to play again. Like, is it possible he never plays again? Sure, because brains are weird. But everything that's out there implies that he's... that. Everyone involved believes he's going to play again. So, like, to me, you can't say that it's equally likely that he never plays again to he plays again. To me, it's more like, I don't know, 80-20 or 70-30. It's not a 50-50 thing just because you're not getting the information you want to get right away. Well, first of all, Charlie, everything is 50-50, number one. <laughs> exactly. Number two. Things either happen or they don't. Exactly. It's not how it works. There's, it is. You can't That's how argue it works with the in the math. real world, not in them yeah. fucking spreadsheets. <laughs> you, I, I think that there's also like a, another. I think it's reasonable to think that perhaps he comes back and isn't as good as we want him to be right away, which is yeah. kind of where I am. I do I think, think that, he's going to play I again. Fair. I have. I don't think he's not going to play again. I think that's silly. I, I absolutely think he's going to play again. I just question how effective he will be when he does. It's been a very long time since he's played competitive hockey. So, you know, I think it's, I don't know. We're going to come back with that in just a minute because I want to get into what we actually expect out of Nolan Patrick and another player we got a health update on on the other side of this break. But first, we got to pay those bills, you know, three quarters of the way through the show. We're going to break <laughs> for an ad and then uh, we'll be back with more Patrick talk on the other side. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. All right, welcome back, everybody. I hope you really enjoyed that ad you just heard, and I recommend you use that product or service. Okay, so uh, it's probably like an ad for our show. I don't even know. I don't care. It's no, always going to be good. funny when you say that. We're, Every time. We're a top-tier SB Nation podcast. They put the good ads. It's like, probably for, like, T-Mobile. Oh, fuck yeah. What up, T-Mobile? I need a new phone. Um, so do I, buddy. mattresses. Which one? <laughs> Casper mattresses. I need a mattress, <laughs> too. Uh, all right. So we're talking about Nolan Patrick, and uh, it was brought up, the idea that maybe, you know, he's back, but not back for game one. Like, what do you actually... We've seen so far in Patrick's career, prior to missing an entire season last year, 
Uh, it's weird to say last year for a season that ended. You know, actually, this is like a normal off season, I guess. But yeah. I don't know. It feels no, like it's it a just lo- it's a longer off season. Yeah. It's disgusting. It feels yeah. like I don't know. We just ended still. Um, like we've seen flashes of brilliance out of Nolan Patrick. We've seen it. We've seen the potential uh, in in stretches in moments. But as a second overall pick, he's been underwhelming. What do you think we see out of him this year? Say he's not, like, you get him in shape and he's good to go second week of the season like we were saying last year uh, when we were so optimistic. Like, what do you, where, do you think he pencils in as the 3C? Is he the guy we want him to be? Not a franchise center, but at least an effective, you know, middle six forward. What are we thinking we're going to get out of Nolan Patrick? So I would pencil him in at the 3C spot, and I would even say to start the season. I know that that's being a little bit aggressive, but, you know, a lot of these guys, it's just been such a weird time period. Like, it's from last March all the way to now. Like, it's just been so weird that that might actually benefit him because so many people, so many players have had to take so much time off and away from the ice, not necessarily away from working out, but away from the ice. Um, I, I would like to see him start the season and really, I don't care where you put him as long as he's playing. I think the highest expectation that I have for him is effective third line center. Like I'm not really expecting him to light the world on fire this season. Um, but like effective three C is a very important part of this team. You need yeah. you yeah. need an effective three C. That's not. I'm not saying it's. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, like you you don't you don't draft an effective three C at second overalls. I mean, it's just it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not. I don't have like super duper high hopes. But I think that everyone knows that about me when it comes to Nolan Patrick. But I I'm hoping that he's going to be a good solid third line center because we need one. Well, my hope is that he plays on the third line because I mean you're not going to supplant Sean Couturier as 1C and Kevin Hayes has proven to be a really good 2C yeah so if he if we have a third line center that produces and carries a line like a second line center that's a good thing that's a oh, very look, good we thing were having saying two last, second lines would be great like rewind to last off season when you know all the uh, we overpaid Kevin Hayes talk was happening we said the absolute best case scenario for his contract is he's the most overpaid 3C in the league because Nolan Patrick becomes what we think he can become so yes if if Nolan Patrick is 3C in name but like good that's excellent for this team, especially considering the abundance of wingers we have who don't necessarily fit in one place or another. Like, it would be nice to have, like, a play-driving center to put with JVR on the third line. That would be cool. I yeah, would I don't, not hate it. I don't have a, like, as weird as it sounds, I don't really have a set expectation for Nolan Patrick this year if he plays and if he plays close to or the entire season because I, I would expect there to be some rust, absolutely. Yeah. And... You know, I, I think that's reasonable at the same time. And I think this is important. This is an important thing to remember is that the Nolan Patrick that we saw in his first two seasons in aggregate, you know, no, he was not a star. You know, this was not a guy who was lighting the world on fire. But if, if, if the Flyers just get that guy, like just that guy, he doesn't get any better. That's just who he is. He's already a third line center. 
Like that, like, yeah. to me, like, that's his, if he comes back and if he slowly works himself back into, in, into shape, like, that's his floor in terms of who he is. Like, Nolan Patrick is already an above average third line center in the NHL. Full stop, done. That's a thing. The question is, once he gets himself back into the swing of things, how much better can he get? And I don't know. Like, I just, I don't know. We've missed an entire year of, of, of seeing. Like, last year I thought was going to be the year where we had a lot of questions answered about what Nolan Patrick is going to yeah. be. Obviously, we didn't get that because he didn't play. And then this year, if he comes back, a lot of the year is going to be spent, like, just hoping the guy can stay on the ice and gets his, his skating legs back from under him after not being able to play since, you know, March 2019. So it kind of throws his development into question a little bit in the sense that it just, it makes, like, when is his make-or-break year? I don't know. I don't think this is his make-or-break year even if he plays because he missed the full season and it's a weird year with the coronavirus and everything. So it's tough for me to say, like, what my expectations are because I just don't know if I can call this, like, the biggest year in the world for what Nolan Patrick is going to become. It's just the big, it's just an extremely big year for him in terms of confirming that he can still be an NHL player. If he yeah. proves that, then I believe he's a third line center already. It's just a matter of whether he can get better than that. Yeah. I didn't like, I, I want Nolan Patrick to break out. I want him to be awesome, obviously, but I don't think like, yeah, I don't think, oh, if he if he has 20 points this year, ah, fuck it, dump him. You know, like, don't don't protect him in the expansion draft. Hope they just take a, this problem off our hands. Like, I think you protect him no matter what because, like you said, pretty high floor and the ceiling is, you know, we've seen flashes of brilliance out of him. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't call this a make-or-break year. Like, obviously, this, this past calendar year has uh, fucking sucked for pretty much the entire human race. Yeah, um, <laughs> but like, since, since we're talking about Nolan Patrick, like the migraines in concert with this pandemic, like man really put a fucking anchor around his development possibility. And that's why, like, I, you can't blame him for a migraine issue. You obviously can't blame him for a fucking pandemic and all these things combined. Like I, I, this can't be a make or break year. Cause he has a full year of development to make up. Are we sure? The pandemic wasn't Nolan Patrick's fault. I'm surely not. Ooh. How can it be, be able to blame it? How can it be Nolan Patrick's fault when it's Carson Wentz's fault? Ooh. People are saying. Do you think? Do you think they colluded? They combined their witch powers. No collusion. Okay. All right. Listen, I'm just asking. I'm asking the hard questions. Here. Somebody's got to. I, I, Somebody has to. I've been told that if you can't prove that someone didn't do something, it means they did it. Oh fuck! Oh shit! There he is with the math again. <laughs> God damn it. We're going to get reviews. You know we're going to get reviews about this. Oh, no. <laughs> I, we're absolutely going to get, like, two people who are like, oh, why do they got to get political? Like, the same people who are like, everything's funny. Why are you so offended by everything? Like, There's you challenged somebody- my worldview. Stop making it are, political. Are, are, are we really being political by saying that Nolan Patrick caused coronavirus? Is that political? Yes. You know yes, what yes. people are you know, <laughs> like, like, it's not obvious what we think in this segment. <laughs> There's going to be somebody who's, this is their first episode of Broad Street Hockey Radio. And, and uh, their last. Yeah. I don't know. I'm really enjoying this episode. Personally. I fucking love it. This is our best episode in weeks. <laughs> Let's just keep going. Let's make it two hours. Let's roll. I got oh, nothing God. to do. Uh, <laughs> Charlie's like, fuck you people. I have to write. 
He's like, I got to get out of here. So the, I was going to make a, some The lunch, other people, but, you know. uh, the other people, the, the other player we got a health update on is Oscar Lindblom. And it sounds like he's good to go. Like, yes. The, the little bit of, like, while I'm interpreting the Nolan Patrick news as, eh, we'll see. And, like, yes, it probably is unfair to, like, try to interpret tone and, like, intent because they just don't have a physical and they need a physical to actually tell us what's up. I understand that. But Oscar Lindblom, man, it kind of sounds like they're expecting him to come in and be the guy he was, like, prior to mid-December of 2019. Like, I mean, the, Do you get that impression? Yeah, the difference is that we saw Oscar Lindblom play a little bit of hockey after cancer treatment and a whole bunch of time off, and he didn't look terrible. So, you know, based on that, I think it's fair to consider that he's going to be quite good now that he is, you know, back to his old self. Once this pandemic is over and we've all gone to about a decade's worth of therapy just to get through the trauma from this year. This is my therapy. <laughs> Congratulations, Listen. you're all my doctors. That's what I do. We're not Twitter. paying me enough. <laughs> we really, really, really need to talk about how fucking incredible the Oscar Lindblom story is. It's real good. I this agree. man, this man had cancer and made it back on the ice within the same calendar year as being diagnosed. How, like, how? Or, or within. Within getting treatment, because yeah. I think he was diagnosed in December. But, like, the same year, within yeah. 365 days, he was back to work. Like, we saw him... As a him, professional ice hockey player. We saw him ring the bell, and then we saw him play a fucking game. Yeah. <laughs> During a global pandemic. It's... it's amazing. How I, bad does it like, suck? How bad does it suck that he made his playoff return... And we'll probably be in the lineup game one unless fucking, you know, Dave Haxtell gets the job back. Uh, yeah. We'll probably be in the lineup game one and there won't be fucking fans in the stands. Sucks. Like, how bad? You know what? Like, there are no, so many listen, reasons if fans if are bad. If it's a home game, if it's a home game, we will, uh, I'm saying this right now, we will figure out a way to celebrate. Whether we all line up in cars all up and down Broad Street, like, we're going to figure out a way to celebrate Oscar Lindblom coming back because the the accomplishment and just the I, I I can't find the right word. So if somebody else has has it, but just like it, it's astounding. It is astounding what he was able to achieve, and we can't get present to that because we're all dealing with so much we're dealing with so much all the time so we can't like we just don't have the perspective right now but it is amazing like this guy before prior to the diagnosis he and travis connectney were were flanking sean couturier on you know the first line call the first line whatever you will sean couturier is the one c whoever if you're out there with him you're on the first fucking line like, is that, that's Vigneault's doing. Is he right back up there? I think it Maybe. remains to be seen, but it wouldn't surprise I mean, me. But when, but when he had to leave hockey to go get treatment, he and Travis Konechny were the top two point scorers. Like, they were 1-2 in goals and points. Could, yeah, could I, that I, just come back? I don't know. I, I think the way I'll, the way I'll say is that, like, 
I don't think that they're going to rule it out, you know, the possibility of Oscar Lindblom being anywhere in the lineup. Like, a lot of it's going to come down to how he looks in training camp. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the, co- the coaches are going to be, you know, and I'm not just saying they're going to be paying closer attention to Oscar Lindblom because he's coming up cancer. Like, they're going to be evaluating everybody, and they're going to put together lines based on, you know, who seems to be clicking in the short camp and who came to camp in the best shape and things like that, and that's the way they're going to do it. But, like, I don't think they're going to they're gonna enter camp with the assumption that well, we need to play Oscar Limblom in limited minutes because he didn't play most of last year and he's coming off a cancer diagnosis. They're going to look at it as, if Oscar Limblom was really good in camp and he's clicking with Sean Gutierrez, why the hell not put him on the first line? Like, I, I don't think they're okay. going to they're gonna go into camp with the assumption that he can't play on the first line. That doesn't mean he's definitely right. going to, but I don't think they're yeah. ruling out the possibility if he earns it. I'm glad you got to my point without me really knowing what my point was, Charlie. So well done there. That's hey, that's what I was Look trying to get at. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like, how good we are. Yeah, that's 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 what I was guess. I guess I'm getting at. Like, are they assuming you know we're gonna have to protect his minutes and see see how it goes, or if he looks good in camp? All right, kid, you're right back out there as a top six forward. That's awesome. Yeah. Then okay. Yeah, I I'm excited about that then. He's a really How good bad? player. Just real. Like that, that, that's a, he's a yeah. really good player. And he was on the verge of kind of taking that next step when this awful thing happened to him. And it's going to be incredible to see him try to, you know, reach what we're hoping his ceiling is. When, you know, what, 12 months ago, 10 months ago, 8 months ago, we weren't even sure if he was going to play another hockey game again? It's just, it's awesome. We weren't even sure whether he was going to survive. Like, that's where we were. This story is fucking wild, man. Like, Right? That's some Disney movie shit. I can't wait to watch this dude play high. I really can't. Like, he was an enjoyable player to watch. And, like, he might, like, just based on the kind of player he was, we were all kind of astounded by his scoring. He'd always, like created a bunch of chances and we were like man if he could just cash in on some of these and then he did to start last season and it was pretty fucking awesome to watch he might not lead the team in goals next year like it looked like he could last season but man if he's back to what he was like they had that awesome run at the end of uh, the regular season without him with yeah. him, they are just a better hockey team. Whether he's Absolutely. a leading scorer or a guy contributing great two-way minutes on the third line. Like, he's such a good player. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he brings to the lineup in any role. Samesies. All right, what else do we have on this outline now? Oh, the divisions. We talked about the divisions a little mm. bit. But if you haven't seen it, so it's going to be, is it all games inside the division? That's what's going to be happening yes. here? All yes. right. Yeah, so eight it's eight games against each of the teams. So it's the Flyers, Bruins, Sabres, uh, Devils, Rangers, Isles, Pens, and Caps. I wrote ha-ha pen caps on the, uh, <laughs> on the outline because I'm good and fun and smart. You're, uh, you're an adult. <laughs> so I guess all that talk of the no Flyers, Penguins rivalry was certainly worth the time. Yeah, there's no. I mean, people needed something to talk about, right? Look, I'm I'm sure it was discussed, but like, let me put it this way: if you're NBC, okay, and you are like, this is the only the only way the only way the NHL is going to be making money this year is off of television. That's it. And they come to you and they're like, "Hey, we're thinking about not having Flyers Penguins ever play this year." 
NBC was going to flip. They're going to be like, that's like, one of, that's like one of our best ratings games we have. And you're just going to be like. air turning over a table. And you're just going to be like, nah, <laughs> nah. Instead, we're going to give you Carolina Flyers and Penguins Wild. Like, are you kidding me? There was like, like that was always an insane idea. I thought so, too. I was kind of looking forward to it, though, just because it was so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> like, because that's the NHL. Like, oh, yeah, we have, like, three bankable games in terms of ratings, and we're going to, we're going to get rid of one on purpose. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was such a great, terrible idea. I was kind of looking forward to it. But, Charlie, you said, you said the only way the league makes money this year is through television, and that's not necessarily true. Because we have helmet ads. hey yo. So I learned something yesterday when reading that they're not even really making money off of these things this year. They're just kind of making up for what the arena naming people lost uh... with there not being any games. So that's why so far everyone is just putting the arena sponsor on their helmet is because they're just trying to make good on what was lost, but I don't know if they're actually making money off of them yet. <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. Way to go, honey. It's extremely NHL. Well done. Well done. Good job, everybody. I do have to like, say, I wasn't super into the idea of it, but they're like the most inoffensive things I've ever seen in my life. They're barely yeah, noticeable. I, like, like listen, I, if I had my way, would there be ads on jerseys or helmets or whatever? No. But I, I, I've, I've made up my mind a long time ago if I'm going to get mad about that, then I'm just going to be mad because, like, corporations rule every aspect of our life. That's like, the thing. You can never how not many, be mad. Like, oh, yeah, the, the <laughs> Toyota three stars at the Wells Fargo Center. Welcome to Comcast country. This, you know, fucking lawnmower ads on the only sports network in town. Like, everything is just run by sponsorship bullshit. So that's just the way it is. Yeah. Like... Oh, yeah, Philly hit an extra base hit. You know what that means? Safe and sound with New York Bank. Like, really? New York Bank during the Phillies game? All right, what the fuck ever. Uh, yeah. So it's there's, just something you got to deal with. Yeah, there's, there's a scene in the, in the show Scrubs where Dr. Cox, like, blows up a JD and, like, starts, <laughs> like, listing all the things he cares about more than spending time with JD. Yeah. And it's all the red states, all the blue states, everything, everything, everything. That's how much I care about ads on helmets. I just don't give a shit. I truly don't either. I truly do not. I do think it's hilarious that the NHL hasn't figured out a way to make money doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, here's here's a simple Presumably concept. Next year they will. Here's a simple concept. Okay, you ha you put the arena sponsor on the helmet. All right, to make up for the uh, make up for you know the naming rights. Well, there's a whole other side of the fucking helmet. <laughs> Two sides. There's a left and a right. Is there? Is there? Do they know this? Like, I just don't. This is so NHL. They haven't figured out how to sell ads on helmets, but they're making it a whole big story about ads on helmets. Is that their sales plan? Because I gotta say, guys, I could do better. I uh, I just want to know how how close are we to my dream Wawa jersey? Oh, any day now, William. I just want it so bad. Like, I want to get one of those made. You should. I mean, we could probably make that happen for you, but <laughs> Wawa, if you're listening, it might not be so legal. What up, we at could Wawa? Make it happen. <laughs> I don't know who designed that on Photoshop, but it, it's brilliant. Like I tweet it about every six months, 
And <laughs> I like I just love it so much. Bill just wants to give you money, so if you designed it, just let him know. Yeah, like, who were you? Money. Who were you? The geese on the bottom stripe is just that's that's really good. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, just one last topic here, since we decided it doesn't matter how long we go. Uh, the taxi squad. Can someone explain this to me? Yeah, right. I don't. So get the taxis, the taxi squad exists in case we have like a uh, a Denver Broncos type cluster. Uh, cluster infection situation and boom we can just activate a player they've been you know doing all the proper protocols and everything so we don't have to quarantine them or wait but doesn't it make more sense for them not to travel with the team like if there's a cluster if there's a cluster outbreak in the team wouldn't the replacements be less likely to have contracted the virus if they weren't with the team so there's two reasons why they're doing this the first reason is what you hinted at, which is the, the idea of if there's an outbreak, then boom, they have guys that can jump in. And I presume, I, I haven't read through the health protocols, but I assume that like those guys are going to be like isolated in some way from the rest of the team. Like, they're probably, I, I would guess they're going to practice separately like just to make sure that if there's some type of outbreak, they don't have to do contact tracing and those guys can just slide right back in. So that's number one. Number two, and this is equally as important, if not more important, is the fact that like, the AHL isn't going to start until February. Yeah. And guy, like teams are going to need to have guys who can come in for the first three weeks of the year that have actually been skating and you know are at, capable of playing hockey at an NHL level. So they needed something like this as almost like a bridge to that. And it could be even longer because like I know the AHL is trying to get started by, by I think, February 4th or something like that, but... I still am skeptical that they're actually going to be able to pull that off just because how do they, I, how do I don't they know how people the, without, yeah, I don't know how these teams, yeah. I don't know how these teams are going to financially survive. Like, I just don't know. And I think that's part of like total gate revenue. Yeah. Like, so like, I think just, that's part yeah. of the reason why you have this taxi squad is that if there just is no AHL, then that you have guys that can jump in as call-ups. So I think, I think it's a you know combination of those two things. You know what sucks about it though? It, it's just like purely circumstance. Like if Morgan Frost doesn't make the roster out of camp and he's on the taxi squad and he has not played a meaningful hockey game because he was in quarantine with them during the last go around. Like he hasn't played a meaningful hockey game in like over a year at this point. Like that sucks for him development wise, I think. It's not ideal, but he did have like the full season, the AHL last year. So yeah. It's not ideal, but the thing is, it's not ideal for any of these guys. So, I look, I'm I'm of the opinion that like just make Morgan Frost an NHL or sink or swim. But yes. that's Do clearly it. not what that's clearly not the position the Flyers are uh, are holding with him. Could, could you start like sounds whispering? very Hextolian, which is bad. It is we, it, it is very weird to me how like the Flyers under Chuck Fletcher have, at least in terms of how they've treated their young players, have been very anti Hextall. With everyone, with the exception of Morgan Frost, except like that's Morgan like Frost. it's like the one residual Hextolian strategy for development. Well, I mean, abolish it's so positions. strange. Abolish positions and put them on the same line. It's fine. Well, um, I was just reading through all of our content around um, when Ron Hextall was fired and why he was fired, and like there was definitely a piece, and it was like because he wouldn't start Carter Hart and. 
he wouldn't play Carter Hart and Carter Hart is still in the AHL. Why the fuck is he not in the NHL? And why do we have Michael Neuvert instead of Carter Hart? Like that was a whole big thing and reading it, like I definitely thought about Morgan Frost. Like that's what we're doing with Morgan Frost. Well, it's now different now to me because the team then was about development. Now the organizational directive is to win games. Yes. So the guys who should, should dress are the best possible players. Now, we happen to believe Morgan Frost is, or with some seasoning, a little bit of leeway, could develop into one of them. But I don't have a problem with this if they're just saying, we want to win the most number of games possible, and someone else gives us a better chance of doing that. Now, like if that someone else is Derek Grant or Nate Thompson, I'm, you know, I know they're not on the team, I'm just using them as a reference point. If they are that someone else it's like okay i disagree with that direction of style but the idea that morgan frost just isn't one of the 12 best forwards i'm not gonna blow that out of proportion like okay maybe he isn't like elaine Vigneault, pretty good coach i don't love what he did in the playoffs but like i believe him it's just that I'm if, just if, grumpy about it it's just that if if the only reason they're keeping him off the team is because they're insisting that he play center that pisses me off that I don't like. Well, no, I, that, I don't think I, I don't think that would be the only reason. I, I do believe, and as I've said, I've said this multiple times, they want him to tear apart the AHL before he, he gets called up. I mean, he, he, I mean was, he was he was one, good two with Greg Carey on the team and scoring for the whole year. He was good. He wasn't holy shit good. And for whatever reason, they seem to want him to be holy shit good in the AHL before they call him up. And I mean I get they they've been they've been fairly consistent with that belief. I disagree with it, but it just seems like that's the way they're looking at it. That they've it's, they've 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 nitpicked his game to enough of a degree that they need to see him excel, truly excel to feel like he's ready. It's okay. so weird that like he's the only one they're holding to that standard. Like Joel Farabee wasn't lighting the AHL on fire. They brought him up and they let him get up to NHL speed like they let him do it they never really gave Morgan Frost a chance to stumble and then pick it back up in the NHL like they did with therapy they you know Frost stumbled and he was right back down I will um, say like from an offensive production standpoint if the Flyers organization sees in him the ability to just completely wreck the AHL and he's not giving them that maybe it's just a reason for pause of like we haven't full. He hasn't fully unlocked his game yet. He hasn't. He's not. And I'm like not talking about a work ethic thing. It's just like he hasn't pushed himself to that next level yet. And when he does, that's when we think he'll be great. But he has to show us that first. Like it, it's not necessarily a negative thing, but like just a come on, man, just give us that little bit more, and we think you're it. Yeah. The argument, the argument they'll it's make. It's a grievance. I'm airing the grievance. grievance. I'm mad about Morgan Frost. <laughs> it's a grievance. The, the argument they'll make with Farabee is basically that the difference between Frost and Farabee is that when Farabee went through his down period, you know, the, like the midpoint of the season when he wasn't really producing, they look at him as the type of player who they can put him on the fourth line and he can do fourth line things and still get the experience there. Whereas with Morgan Frost, they think he's a like 
if he's not on one of the top three lines, what's the point of him being up here? Because he's he not that he's not that type of player. Whereas with yeah. Farabee, like if they viewed Farabee as like he's only a scorer when he was struggling to score, they probably would have set him down. But they view Farabee as a guy who they can park him on the fourth line and let him forecheck and do fourth line things while he's regaining his offensive confidence. Whereas they think somebody like Frost needs to regain his offensive confidence by playing in a scoring role in the AHL. That that's what they view as the difference between the two players. I don't like that. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just saying that's what they, that's, that's what they view as the distinction. <laughs> Excuse me. And like the idea of I know we hate the idea of role play like fourth line you got to play a certain role like yes, I would like a fourth line that can score. It is like with with 7 to 10 minutes of ice time though, it is kind of like it's hard to get in an offensive rhythm. You only have so many shit so like just going out and forechecking and just going out and not losing the game in your ice time giving the top players, you know, their their couple of minutes off the ice like it is easier to give those minutes to those type of role players. And you have the upside of Farabee. Like he can do those things. And also he's going to put one in every now and then. And like Frost just has to score. And it's really hard to score in that role. Even if like you're a good offensive player. So I, I, I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it, I guess. No, <laughs> I'm mad. Yes. I'm All right. Is that I'll it? We're done now. That. I think so. If we're done. I'm mad. I'm busy being mad now. Awesome. All right. I don't know how we talked for an hour 15, but here we are. Uh, so that's Because there's actually stuff to talk about now. Hockey's coming back. I know. We I had just, a lot like, of problems with you people. And we have a lot of problems with you people. I woke yes. up at like 8.30 this morning and went, oh shit, I never made an outline and just like wrote some ideas down and emailed it to you guys. I was like, I don't know if we're doing a show or not, but- if we are, here's some ideas. And then we did, like, a long show. All right, so that is all the time we have for you today on the Broad Street Hockey Radio podcast. Of course, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button. Just search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and boom, content delivered to you nonstop all the time. Just content, 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 hitting you over the head like a bag of Santa's gifts. All right, um... This, the Zoom thing is we, tonight, so you're probably listening to this and you've missed it already. If not, and if you were there, thank you so much for coming. We really appreciated it. Um, what's And Steph? we're taking next week off. Yeah, no show next week. Uh, suck it. There will be content, but there will be a new Broad Street Hockey Radio. Yeah, there'll be something. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. We're working if Steph on it. ever records her piece of it. Shut up. All right, that's it. My name is Bill Matz. For Steph, for Kelly, for Charlie, have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about sports? Yeah!